Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I am delighted to be joined by Katie Veyanuva, a senior Salesforce administrator based out of the US. Through the episode, we cover Katie's background, how she found her way into the Salesforce ecosystem, and why she is thriving since becoming a full-time Salesforce administrator. Katie is passionate about ending the stigma around mental illness and talks openly about her own experience being diagnosed with bipolar and explains why it is important that mental illness is talked about. We go over some very important topics such as communicating openly with employers, safe spaces and the impact of working in environments where you cannot be open, plus some resources that Katie has found valuable. This is a topic I feel strongly about, so I'm very grateful for Katie sharing her story and pushing the need for more conversation around mental illness. Katie, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. We've got some really important topics to cover today. And I, I just want to thank uh, Meredith, who's been a, a guest uh, of ours previously, because she made this um, recommendation that you're someone we should definitely have on the show. And I know she'd seen one of your talks recently and was uh, very inspired by it. So I'm really, really excited by the, the discussion today. Yes. Thank you, Meredith. I'm so happy to talk more about this to anyone who will listen. Yes, yeah, definitely. So let's start with your career. So you're, you're obviously working in the Salesforce space now, and you're, you're a senior Salesforce administrator, I understand. But what did you do before Salesforce? And how did you then find your way into the Salesforce ecosystem? Well, before Salesforce, I really didn't have a career path. I was a product of the economic crisis back when the economy dropped out. When I graduated with my master's degree, I was in radio for 10 years, and that's what I went to school for. And then I had lost my job like so many others and uh, just couldn't get back into the radio business. I don't know why, but I just couldn't get it. It's a hard business anyways to be in. So, you know, getting out, it's hard to stay, get back in. So I just jumped around from job to job, career to career. I did end up being a customer support agent where I use Service Cloud. And then at the company before the place that I'm at now, and then I moved to the company that I'm at now and they had just got Salesforce and they didn't know what it was. And I had this experience and I was like, do you know you can do this and it operates this way? And these are all the things that we can do. And so I just started, you know, everything was open because they didn't have security around it. So I just jumped in and started making changes and which is probably not best practice for anybody. But uh, yeah, so I had a knack for it. They recognized it and then I got to be the admin. And I've been doing that for like three years. So you wouldn't class yourself as someone that was ever technical per se, like you, um, you've kind of fallen into that and then picked up and I guess Trailhead would have been around at that point. So that was um, guessing would have been uh, key to you kind of getting familiar with what you can and can't do. Yeah, I did jump into Trailhead right away. You know, I had all these ideas. I saw what it could do. I just couldn't get to doing those things. So Trailhead connected those dots for me to execute those ideas for sure. Yeah, nice. Nice. And never looked back uh, since you moved into the Salesforce ecosystem, kind of knew it was for you straight away? Yep. Yep. That's my, it's my career for the end all be all till I retire. <laughs> yeah, nice. On your LinkedIn, you, you talk about, you know, thriving and not surviving in the Salesforce ecosystem. What do you mean by that? 
Well, I just feel like in those previous positions where I didn't have a career path, I was just kind of getting paid, going to work, doing the nine to five, hating every minute of it, coming home, resenting, having to have to go back. (laughs) And so like after I found this, I was like wanting to learn more and I was excited to like get my hands on projects and like it is just a totally different attitude towards how I spend most of my day. So I feel like that is more thriving versus surviving. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. It's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of people that come into the Salesforce ecosystem probably end up working more hours than they were working before. But because they have this passion, it doesn't feel like, you know, that added extra hours outside of the core work, you know, the, the trailhead, the certifications, the studying for certs. That people, because they're passionate about it, it's not, it doesn't bring that same burden of oh, the nine to five that you were doing previously. Exactly. That That's exactly how I would uh, say it. It doesn't have that same burden. It's just, uh, it's like a hobby. It's like, I want to do this. <laughs> so, you know, it's not work if you like it, is it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah. So the, the big topic of our discussion today is going to be around mental illness. And, um, and, and I know you're very passionate about ending the stigma around uh, mental illness and, and you speak over openly about your diagnosis of of bipolar. So why is it so important that, you know, we are talking about this topic and and others talk about this topic? It it becomes something that, that, you know, everyone is talking about. It's first and foremost, super important to talk about so that we can get people the help that they need. And then also, you know, suicide rates amongst folks with mental illness are obviously more relative than to those who do not have mental illness. So helping those people, preventing suicide is such a huge thing. And if we don't talk about the stuff that leads up to suicide and attempting suicide, then we're not going to be able to reach the people who really need that help. So not only are we is talking about it for, for getting help and, and suicide awareness and prevention, but also how do we coexist with this? In my talk, you know, 10 million people have bipolar disorder. We don't talk about it at all, but there's 10 million people out there not knowing how to balance this in their life. So that's a lot of people we can help. And that's just bipolar. So if you think of like all these other other types of mental illnesses, you know, depression, anxiety, who can have, you know, full-time jobs and, and work-life balance and all that other stuff, like those are even more people that we can help, but we can't if we don't talk about it. So obviously there's been a a real increase over the years in people talking about mental health. And um, I must admit, like when we first spoke, and I'm sure many people do this, they kind of categorize mental health and mental illness as the same thing, but they're not. There's a difference. And for anyone that kind of is unaware of that difference, how would you describe the difference in mental health and and mental illness? Yeah, uh, mental health is, I would say, the state of your mind. It is where are you at mentally with yourself? You don't have to be mentally ill to experience depression or anxiety or even have a mental collapse. Like you don't have to be mentally ill to have those terrible things happen to you because if your body is unhealthy, it's going to get sick. If your mind's unhealthy, it's going to get sick. Mm-hmm. But the difference between mental health and mental illness is the illness is in our genes. It's never going to go away. And no matter how well we take care of our mental health, we are susceptible to triggers and things that will set us off. And we can't get, 
it's terrible to say. I was going to say get past it, but that's too negative of a connotation. But it's just something that we have to live with and something we'll always have to manage. You know, I think folks that don't have mental illness, if they're able to get in a good place and they're able to maintain that, they don't have the threat of a setback of the illness taking over. And that's mm -hmm. that's the difference. Yeah. And it's obviously, like you said, it's really important that we talk about it, but it's still not something that is talked about as much as mental health. You um, did a talk at Witness Success recently, and I watched the video, and the outpouring of emotion from the people in the audience was amazing, like some of the comments. And, you know, it was kind of like you talking about it then gave people in the audience comfort to talk about it. And, you know, it was kind of like a weight off of their shoulders and, and real emotion when people were kind of commenting and, and giving their insight. But it's a hard thing to do, right, to talk about it, because not everyone is talking about it. So is it something you've always been comfortable discussing and being open about or has that kind of come with time and also has that being in the Salesforce ecosystem does that help you because of the kind of openness that exists in this world you know honestly it wasn't anything that I hid from I, I knew I had something I was misdiagnosed with depression and anxiety before my bipolar diagnosis came out and um you know it wasn't anything I went around advertising I just I guess I felt so sorry for myself i didn't want to let people know how terrible I thought of myself. So I think at first it was a lack of respect for myself and a lack of realizing that I needed help. And I wasn't necessarily ashamed. I just, you know, it wasn't anybody's business, in my opinion. And then um, when I got my bipolar diagnosis, I was kind of in this situation where I was like, what do I do with this information? <laughs> like, um, before when I got diagnosed, it was just kind of like, this might be what's going on. I'm like, oh, okay. But here is like, I feel like I was given a solution when I got this diagnosis and the medications pulled through for me. And then I believed in the diagnosis and I said, this is what I've got. How do I deal with this? And I slowly started to open up to the people closest to me because I feel like to them, I was the greatest burden and I wanted to give them like a peace offering, like uh, meet them halfway. Like, I swear I'm not being a burden to you, but this is what's going on with me. And that really helped me start to open up. And then, yes, the, the Salesforce community has been, I saw how amazing and supportive they are of our LGBTQ plus community and even Black Lives Matters. And I was like, well, there's got to be a space out there for someone like me and a community like us. So I just kind of brought my story to the community and they actually embraced me with open arms. And like you said, other people are, are speaking up and coming out of the woodwork and we're all standing up together. So, you know, Salesforce is something really special and I don't think I would have done this anywhere else. So how, how does it feel to you, obviously, um, standing up, giving that speech and then having other people in the audience then open up? That must be a pretty amazing feeling that, you know, you're giving people that, that comfort to then have a voice as well. Yeah, I am, I am so excited to be part of their journey and find a positive aspect or, or be a positive influence for them or, or just say, lead a positive life for them to say, Hey, I can get there too. You know, that this is possible for me. So on the topic of opening up and having these discussions, so obviously, um, it's something you've done with your workplace. How have you benefited from being open with your workplace? But then also, how did you approach that discussion? Yeah, well, uh, I've had more experience not opening up than I've had opening up. And so I can tell you when I was hiding it and not talking about it from my employers, I'd feel stress. 
I would be unhappy. I'm an incredibly moody person, as you can imagine, with somebody with a bipolar. And I'd walk around with a chip on my shoulder with a short fuse, and then I'd cry every week. Like, it was just like, I was just radiating emotions. And I was trying to hide it at the same time. And I knew I was doing a terrible job. So I'd have meltdowns because I wasn't like, and it was just this fuscious cycle of stress and explosive emotions that I didn't want people to see. And then they saw, and it was just unpleasant. Nobody should live that way and go to work like that. But after I opened up to, to these folks, you know, I'm not hiding anything and I can focus on what I'm doing. If I'm having a day where I just can't focus mentally because of my emotions, I'm able to ask for help and I can move past the situation and get back to work. So like they have more patience with me. They also support me, ask me what I need. And it's a great work environment having to not hide. So was there something specific about this company that kind of made you feel more comfortable talking? And I appreciate, obviously, in the past, you might not have had the diagnosis. So obviously, the discussion might have been different. But if you look at some of the other environments you've worked in, is there something special about the one now where you feel it was always going to be the right place to be open and communicate? It was the people, you know, I had feelers out and I felt like these people actually cared about me. And I was a person before I was an employee. And, you know, that speaks a lot to the culture in the company and the values, you know, leadership has brought to the company and the way the managers manage their people. So I felt safe and I didn't just blast it out there as soon as I got diagnosed. It was kind of like a breadcrumbs. You know, at first I, I said, hey, I'm on this medication, this new medicine, and it's going to make me drowsy. I'm going to be lethargic. And I don't want you to misinterpret it as I don't care. And so after that, something else happened. And I opened up a little bit more and explained to them, you know, this is what's going on. And then a little bit more like different situations. I was trying to explain my behavior. And eventually I said, you know what, I'm bipolar. And this is what's going on with me. And they were, they were really receptive to it. And I had two panic attacks at work, meltdowns on the floor, crying, hyperventilating, and they were there for me. They didn't turn me away. So I didn't have to explain myself because they already knew. We discussed panic attacks recently, and um, and you, obviously the ones you described there are, um, you know, fairly obvious, I guess, to people that are standing nearby. They, they would know, I guess, presume that something isn't right. You mentioned um, in your presentation, you met um, Charlie Isaacs and you had a panic attack, but the way you described it to me, no one else would have known. And that's an education point for me because I always thought a panic attack was the one you just described in the office where, but it's not, right? It doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be a visual display of panic. Yeah, it can take on different forms. And one was a little bit, I think I was just holding it together as the best as I could when I was in front of Charlie. I was off a little bit to where my friend was like, you seem panicky. Are you okay? Like skittish, mm -hmm. you know, couldn't stop moving. I almost felt, and this is maybe a poor choice of words, but like an addict where I was twitching and moving and I couldn't stop wiggling because yeah. I was just had the creepy crawlies and the muscle tensions and the can't get out of a room fidgetiness. Mm -hmm. 
So like I was behaving unusually. It was wintertime. I had layers on. I had to take off my clothes because I was sweating so bad. <laughs> so was, we were at this restaurant and I go to the bathroom and I like change my clothes because I'm like, taking clothes off <laughs> because I'm sweating. And I came back to the table. And, you know, it's embarrassing, but like you have gastrointestinal issues when you're under duress. And I had to go to the bathroom quite often, so much so that I said, I'm going to sit at the end of the table. And I made Charlie Isaac sit in the middle of the bench. <laughs> like I assigned seats because I was freaking out so bad. <laughs> but yeah, no, <laughs> it kind of came off as just being unusual. But yeah, when I went home, I let go of whatever was holding me together and I just melted on the floor. And again, that was the crying and the seizuring and the hyperventilating. We just discussed obviously telling your employer and, and a lot of people out there will be um, maybe not appreciative of how difficult that is to do. And, and also there'll be lots of people out there that don't feel they can do that, right? Like it's just not the right environment for you. I think it's really important to you know be clear with that. Like not everyone is going to be able to do that, right? It's not always going to be something that someone can do. And if a company are like, well, why haven't, hasn't someone just told us? It's probably more of a reflection on the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, how many jobs have you gone to where employees disclose other things that are just important that are going to impact their work and their behavior? For example, uh, divorces. People probably go to their managers and say, I'm going through a divorce. Things are really hard for me right now. I may need time off. I may not. You know, having new kids, just like a child care, or if you have a really sick relative and you have to take care of them and you have to make these accommodations. And those are things that I think, you know, important, serious situations that people go to their managers about and like, how do you work with me on this? And why can't we add like mental illness to that conversation and say, hey, I have this going on. I'm perfectly capable of doing my job, but this is what you can expect of me. This is what could happen. What are we going to do in these situations? Mm -hmm. So for, for any hiring manager or company that would listen to this and think, you know, I would love to have the kind of environment where people are comfortable to have these discussions, but I don't know where to start. Like, um, you know, does it start from the, the top down? Is it the discussion the CEO has to have and, you know, try to create that safe space? Like, are there any kind of tips or things you've seen work well in your current organization that might help people on that journey? I wish, you know, and that is a million dollar question. And honestly, I don't have the answer to that just yet. And I'm hoping by getting out there and sharing my story and starting these conversations, we can bring those decision makers together and, and even the people who have this stuff and, and find that common ground. I did have a hiring manager in uh, one of my sessions and asked just what you asked, how do I make it a welcoming environment? You know, it is a leap of faith for somebody to open up like that, not knowing how they're going to be received. I would say company culture is super important. And that is something that comes from the top down that leadership has to nurture. And again, it comes down to the managers who create the environment and, and execute that vision. For me, like I said, I felt safe. And that's a nod to my managers who had that environment for me to feel that way. So I think it may be up to them to just make it known, hey, if you want to talk about anything or whatever, you know, let me know and we'll work with you. You're valued. You're a person to me. <laughs> you know, you're not just an employee, you know. And then also you got to think hiring managers could have mental illness too. It works both ways. So how do we deal with those situations? And those are conversations that we need to have. And we're 
we're going to have them if we start talking about it. So we're still in phase one of let's just open up and, and talk about it, bring the people to the table. Phase two, let's find some, you know, solutions, maybe put together models and execute them to, to anybody that'll listen, anybody in the Salesforce ecosystem. Uh, Salesforce, hopefully, you know, let's put a badge out there. Let's, let's guide people on how to do this for our community. So, yeah. Yeah, and it takes people like yourself to stand up and, and kind of be heard, and then hopefully, you know, the the momentum will gather, and um, and I'm sure it will because this ecosystem is all about you know being open and um, and collaborative and, and making people feel comfortable. And like you, I think you only started recently um, going to Salesforce events. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I <laughs> I was an admin in quarantine during COVID. That's when I came on to into Salesforce was during COVID and shut down. So this year I'm really getting out there and like stretching my legs and meeting people. And I've gone to my first conferences, like you said, and I'm going to Dreamforce this year. <laughs> so that's going to be cool. <laughs> So I think if you go to an event, like if you go to Dreamforce, you you immediately get that sense of openness and, you know, everyone is welcome, right? It's just, um, mm-hmm. it's a melting pot of cultures and, and um, everyone just kind of feels at home, I think, in that space. Like, well, I, I mean, I can't speak for everyone because I'm sure people, there are people that don't, but, you know, that's what everyone seems to be aiming for, to just make it an environment where everyone feels safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, standing up, having this discussion, hopefully that's a starting point for mental illness to become a hot topic as well in the ecosystem and and everyone that that is struggling or suffering with a mental illness then you know feels safer and and more welcomed into the ecosystem yeah dreamforce is an awesome platform to get that message out there and you know salesforce must think it's important because they've invited me to to bring it to dreamforce so i'm excited they have you know their backing in that respect but uh yeah, I mean, we got to open up those conversations, make those connections and see where this goes, because we do have a lot of questions and I can't answer them alone. And I can't be up here as an expert and say, this is how you do it, because I don't know. I only have the one the one diagnosis, you know, and I've been lucky yeah. enough to have the one job that that accepts me. What do we do with all those other other people out there that aren't in this situation? Mm-hmm. So what, what about like resources that have helped you and or even people, resources, people, um, anyone that's kind of helped you get to this point? Therapy. <laughs> therapy. Uh, it takes a while to find a good therapist, one that you click with um, and then a psychiatrist for the right medications who monitors your your therapy and your drug intake. And then also I went to a National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI. They have a lot of education about different diagnosis. Um, and then they also have support groups. They also educate family members and peers so that they don't drown in, in what you're going through because it can be overwhelming for the support system. But it also educates them on what we're going through as well. So I really like that. And, you know, in my time of crisis, I didn't think of it, but when I was struggling with suicidal thoughts, I reached out and I called someone very close to me. If I had known to think about calling the suicide prevention lifeline, I wish I could have done that and not put the burden on my loved one. But reaching out in a time of desperation having somewhere to turn is so important. And so I really want to make sure people do know that there are places to go. If you reach that last end of your rope and have nowhere else to go. So, Mm -hmm. 
getting a, a source like Suicide Prevention Lifeline out there, their contact information, super important. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely agree with everything you said there. And and final point, I guess, anyone that's listening to this and um, is grateful for you opening up and, and starting this this movement um, in the ecosystem and might be struggling a bit. And uh, and just just some advice you would give them or, or some um, yeah, I guess what you'd want them to hear from from you today. What would be the kind of key message? If I told myself that I'd be happy and healthy and thriving, as we discussed earlier. I don't know if I would have believed you, but I knew deep, deep, deep down I really wanted that for myself. It took a lot of hard work. Yeah, I asked for help and I encourage everybody to ask for help, but they got to know it's going to take work. So you got to invest in yourself. In my speech, I say it was when I decided to respect myself that I was going to get help and work through it. That's what got me to the other side. It didn't happen magically overnight. It was a step-by-step process with a lot of help along the way. So you need to accept the help. Don't worry about the guilt that you're putting on other people because they much rather see you alive than not. They help you. You got to focus on you. Well, thank you so much for um, for sharing your story and and you know doing so much to to end the stigma around mental illness and yeah, hopefully uh, this is like I said, uh, everyone gets behind it and we hear much more about it and people are comfortable speaking more openly and we see a lot more of this because, like you said before, it, that's the only way that that people are going to get the help when they see others talking about it. So uh, yeah, thank you so much and um, looking forward to hearing more about the session that you're doing in in Dreamforce and um, have an amazing time. I'm sure you will. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to get this message out there. Thank you. So that's a wrap for this week's episode. And thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And if you did, please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through. I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform, as five-star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world. I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon, and thanks again.